0: I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling.
1: And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start. And current wrestling fans who want to relive the
0: magic of that first time.
1: This week, it is finally time for the very first NXT TakeOver. Yeah, which originally aired on May 29th, 2014, does the show that gave its name to every subsequent NXT live special live up to that legacy? That is a hard question to answer, which is why we brought some help in the form. Of Dan Mulcairn! That's right. If you, want, if you want insight as to the long-term effects
2: that certain wrestling decisions yes. have on other wrestling decisions, yes. you come to me.
1: Yes. We, we need to... We I need the abyss. I need to reach into the abyss that is your knowledge of wrestling history and pull out the answer.
2: Uh, you say the sweetest things about my knowledge
0: base, Miles. <laughs>
1: Welcome to episode 54 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels, and welcome to the very first TakeOver. I am excited that we got here, I'm excited that all of you got here with us, and I really hope you've been able to find some way to actually watch this show, which, at the time of this recording, is completely unavailable either on Peacock or on Hulu. Uh, We do not know why, every other TakeOver is available on both platforms, so... It is a mystery.
0: Oh, man. Do I have to, like, call Peacock and yell about this? Is this a thing I have to do? No, don't don't worry about
2: it, listeners. Uh, as Bob goes through their breakdown, I will be performing an interpretive dance, which should perfectly oh. mm. encapsulate everything that you're not seeing on the screen. <laughs> oh, thank God.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, we're saved. It should be the last time something like this happens. Fingers crossed. But it's kind of a bummer it happened for this particular episode. Fortunately... We were able to get our hands on this show through means far too cold and ruthless to get into here. Far too legitimate, I think, is what you mean to say. Far too legitimate, and we will do our best to paint some word pictures uh, for those of you who were less certain about getting that much uh, blood on your hands. Legitimate blood. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Not a single bit of that Halloween bullshit. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's right. Real, live human blood. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, there is one person in the world who found a novel way of watching NXT TakeOver, uh, which is that he decided to make his return as a guest on our show. So that's a pretty brilliant strategy when you think about it, though... yeah, it is going to cost him another couple hours of his life. So please welcome back to the next wrestling fan, one of the great painters of word pictures and podcast interpretive dancers, Dan Mulcarron.
2: Maybe not the most efficient way to watch this show is to befriend a couple of people who later start a wrestling podcast and occasionally invite <laughs> you on. But, you know, it's been fulfilling. You, you do know.
1: another podcast for four and a half years first, yep. right? And then you're playing the long game is what you're doing.
2: Yeah, absolutely
1: dan is another return guest which means we don't have the usual questions to ask him as we do with our guests but what we have been doing dan is asking uh what you've been up to wrestling wise since the last time we had you on have you been watching any wrestling keeping up with nxt engaging with the medium in any way what's what's been going on
2: nxt is the only one that i watch and i only watch it basically the day that an episode of yours drops. Excellent. Um, Mm -hmm. I was initially for the first couple episodes of the show, I was not watching along with you guys. And then you invited me to come on the show. So I started catching up on previous episodes. Right. And what I quickly learned is the word picture that Megan Bob paints during their breakdown um, emphasizes certain elements of an episode. (laughs) that have a different degree of emphasis (laughs) when one actually watches it. Um, To a degree that I felt was very enjoyable to discover. The thing that most comes to mind is, I think in the very first episode you guys watched, Bob described this moment where Bray Wyatt, I think, like had pinned someone and like gave him a little kiss on the cheek as kind of a dismissive thing. And the way Bob painted it, I figured that like this kiss took four straight minutes and had like, you know, had like Vaseline on the lens, maybe some, you know, soft romantic music. And then when I watched it, it was this, like, I could have glanced at my phone for a second and missed the whole thing. So really for me, like, I've enjoyed watching NXT to a large extent. But really, for me, watching NXT has been a way of gaining a new and fresh perspective on really both of your uh, psyches. And that's that's the real discovery about this
0: show for me. I'm curious because you've now watched, oh, I don't know how many hours of NXT that you've watched, but quite a few. How would you describe your feelings about NXT now that you have gone through this much of it?
2: Yeah, so I think... Miles made a very good choice picking this as the program to use as kind of an educational um tool because watching NXT the storytelling seems like it's a lot clearer than in other wrestling stuff that I've seen. I was thinking about why this is. I think it's because like the performers themselves are broadly speaking still learning the ropes. So mm. like they're learning how to tell stories in and out of the ring, so what they're doing to tell their stories is a lot more obvious. I was thinking about this. I do kind of think that it's a bit of a double-edged sword because mm-hmm. it does expose some of um, pro wrestling storytelling like shortcuts, mm-hmm. um, like how you know if if a given match is going to involve two wrestlers who are in like the lower mid card and up. Like, it can't just be a wrestling match. You know, one of them has to be giving an interview and the other one interrupts it and starts a completely unprovoked and unmotivated (laughs) argument. And that's why they're having a match. Not, you know, the fact that they're wrestlers on a wrestling show. And will this argument ever be brought up again? No, of course not. You know, (laughs) it happens all the time on this show. And so, like, now I pick up on when that starts happening on other shows. Like, my favorite element of this type of storytelling shortcut is back when CJ Parker turned heel for the first time and he started wearing a suit yes because that's what heels do <laughs> yeah. even though he's still a hippie he's right. just yes. like, he's now a hippie wearing a suit because he's now a heel it's that sort of thing like it's like oh so heels wear suits I see thank you NXT
0: I know what you mean I am with you on this because I I often go like but that's bad costuming and nxt is like yes but these are the laws and i'm going oh okay well all right i
1: think that's like important though because i think it's helpful to be reminded that this is a performance i don't think in wrestling you at least i am not looking for like full immersion do you know what i mean like yes like i don't want to sit here and and believe all the way that these two people are like trying to hurt each other. One of the things I like about NXT is that very like sort of exposure where it's like, okay, the tropes are very clear. We know what we're doing. And it's kind of, it gives it a, an overall tone of taking itself less seriously. And I think that's a really, I think that's one thing that. All wrestling fans could benefit from is to take wrestling less fucking seriously.
2: (laughs) I think that is 100% correct. And like I said, I actually think that's a benefit to this show as an educational tool. Is that all of that stuff is crystal clear and that like really gives you a good vocabulary moving forward. What stuff you need to be looking for and recognize.
0: And I was curious if there was anybody who's emerged for you as a wrestler that you specifically enjoy on NXT, inside, outside the ring.
1: Last time you talked about Xavier Woods. Yes, yeah, and I Paige. know that he's not been around much.
2: Yeah, and when he, uh, when he is, he jobs for Alexander Rusev, which yeah. is a so happy about that. Uh, I hear he's onto to bigger and better things now, which I'm very happy about. It's kind of a trite answer, but like Sami Zayn is just incredible. Anytime a match with him comes up on the card, I get excited because I just know it's going to be great. It doesn't matter like who he's going to go up against. I just know that he's going to be amazing and he's going to make the match amazing. I think another wrestler that has kind of become an unexpected favorite for me is Natalia. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. I had heard the phrase technical wrestling before. But it wasn't until I saw my first Natalia match that I think I really understood what it looked like. Mm. Like, every move she does is razor sharp and just incredibly precise. It's like she stepped out of a wrestling textbook or something, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. She has the platonic ideal of a suplex or an ankle lock or whatever. I found that really, really impressive. And I mean, like... I can't not love Aiden English. I don't don't make the rules, man.
1: He's a fucking drama major. You can't not love him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And he brings something so different to the show that the show desperately needs some of the time. I mean, the show could stand without him, but the show needs your batshit people doing batshit gimmicks like it can't just be all earnest stuff. We don't get enough of him, frankly.
1: That's honestly the other great thing about NXT is that you can be more experimental with your characters because you're not having to worry about like what's going to play to crowds all over the country. You know what I mean? You can just like actually try new things and be different. And it's one of the things that I really love about it, especially in the early days.
2: Yeah, it's like, I, you know, uh, if, this, if this South American bounty hunter isn't working, maybe we <laughs> put him on the shelf for a couple of weeks <laughs> yeah. and he ends up becoming the leader of a parade of randomly generated characters, you know? <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Do you like Adam Rose more than Leo Kruger or just differently? I liked Leo Kruger pretty well. It's kind of like what Miles was saying. Pro wrestling, I feel like, can take a lot of silliness. You know, like, it can, it can mm. support a lot of just weird nonsense and Mm. Adam Rose fits so comfortably into that. I feel like every time he comes out, I see someone new in his parade. That's just (laughs) the weirdest looking character I've ever seen in my life. I think I like him better than Leo Kruger. Like there's a lot of other people on NXT and in wrestling in general that have the kind of vibe that Leo Kruger did but I think Adam
0: Rose is just is such a breath of fresh air. He's such a weirdo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Agreed. He
0: is. I was curious about since all of this NXT you've been watching, any moments that have really stood out to you that you were going, oh, my God, I loved it. Or you hated it or you just went, I have no idea what has just happened to me.
2: I mean, again, you know, going back to to trite answers The Zayn Cesaro two out of three falls matches. It's probably the single best piece of pro wrestling I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. It's It's astonishingly good. I was also blown away by how good Bo Dallas's character arc has been. That the creative team was able to take this really unpopular face and just judo flip him into being an amazing heel. And that the performer was able to carry off this incredibly difficult shift And, like, sell this cheeseball motivational speaker take on his character so believably. The farewell speech he gave in the last episode is an (laughs) all-timer.
1: I also... (laughs) I can't believe they went to commercial doing it. They were like, oh, this happened during the break. He was robbed. I'm glad we
2: at least got to see that. I also have to mention how entertaining I find The Ascension. Uh, Specifically... Because they're trying to sell themselves as these terrifyingly <laughs> apocalyptic supervillains, but the audience just clearly finds them hilarious. Uh, like, and I, I see them as these like really dorky tryhards who keep screwing things up.
0: Um, <laughs> that's not thermal.
2: inaccurate. My favorite moment from them, and this was a while back, this was from a much earlier episode, if I recall correctly they had done the fall of man on an opponent, and Victor goes in to pin him, but he wasn't the legal man in the ring at the time so Connor comes in, pushes him
0: off and then Uh pins the guy himself
1: It was hilarious Yeah Ugh Good memories from our friends, the Ascension. Love the Ascension. I I can't wait to talk about all these matches too, that we're about to have on takeover.
0: And I have one final question for you. If you, Dan Mulcairn, were to pick a wrestling gimmick and be a pro wrestler, was there any fictional character you'd base it off of? Any thoughts you have about what you'd want to be? At the risk of typecasting myself, I do find the idea of playing a
2: completely ineffectual megalomaniacal supervillain to be deeply appealing. Uh, I think <laughs> oh. Bob, and, Bob and Marissa found that side of me and let it out. And uh, so, yeah, whatever the uh, the pro wrestling version of Skeletor would be, uh, someone who comes up with like hilariously impractical schemes that never work. Uh, sure. I think that's that's what I want to do.
1: Stick around until the end of the episode, Dan, and we will we'll, we'll, I got something for you. <laughs> not you. Not that you have a choice, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, in order to watch NXT take over, Dan had to make a great sacrifice, which in this case means he has to hang out with us for Bob's breakdown and commiserate with us as we ring the bell for a <gasps> couple of our friends here in NXT. What? Sorry, mm-hmm. Bob. That's how it goes. He okay. will also be forced into the pit of insanity that is the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. And he will then be pushed beyond sanity itself during a very special edition of Guess the Gimmick. Wrestling term of the week, as well as Bob's fanfic and the cheap pop quiz will return in our next episode. But before we begin, we do have to get the answers to last episode's cheap pop quiz. Bob is rolling into this one with 11 points four away from a romance novel bonus episode with a guest. Let's see how they did. Question number one. In addition to the five matches scheduled for TakeOver, there is a non-match segment featuring which wrestlers? A. Bo Dallas and Mojo Rawley. B. Rusev and Mojo Rawley. C. Rusev and CJ Parker. D. CJ Parker, Enzo Amore, and Big Cass. Or E. Bo Dallas, Enzo Amore, and Big Cass. Bob, you went with D. CJ Parker, Enzo, and Cass. Uh, as I suspected you might, because that seems to be where the storytelling is leading, but that is not the correct answer. The mm-hmm. correct answer is B, Rusev and Mojo Raleigh. We will talk about that. I am. And what a segment it is! We will talk oh, about that! Boy. <laughs> Question number two Which of the following wrestlers show up at TakeOver with new entrance music? Is it A, Charlotte? B, Charlotte and Sami Zayn? C, Charlotte, Sami Zayn, and Tyler Breeze? D. Charlotte, Sami Zayn, Tyler Breeze, and Tyson Kidd, or E. None of the above. Bob, you went with none of the above on this one. <clears throat> Not sure what the strategy was in that. <laughs> I thought it was stupid to even include that answer. <laughs> Miles. Why am the question?
0: That's not there's nothing you could do that was too stupid <laughs> for me. That's why we're in this together. I uh, think we've just found that Bob
2: has an irresistible attraction to the phrase of the above. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I really do. Much to everybody's surprise. I did very well
1: in the AP exams,
0: but that's <laughs> it.
1: I'm gonna start calling you Bob of the Above. That has a really nice ring to it, actually.
0: It certainly makes it sound like I have more of my shit together than I do, and I appreciate
1: that. <laughs> anyway, the correct answer was C, Charlotte, Sami Zayn, and Tyler Breeze. And question number three. Just like with Arrival, I asked Bob to predict the outcome of three matches at NXT TakeOver. In this case, we did the three main singles matches. So who wins the matches between Neville and Kidd, Charlotte and Natalia, and Zayn and Breeze? Uh, I will not run through all the options. There were several of them that had letters attached to them, but suffice it to say Bob selected Neville Charlotte and Breeze and you were correct Wow, <sighs> well done yeah, Bob. Well done, Thank Bob. you.
0: Yeah, I was going back and listening to some older episodes and my inability to narratively discern anything from anything else is like, oh, look, I did a thing. I discerned. Yes. I, I will say, you did better than I would have. <laughs> oh, wow.
1: And you also called Charlotte winning the women's title like super early, like right at the beginning of the tournament, you picked that. So that was pretty impressive, I thought. Aww. Well, uh, with all of that... Out of the way, with all that preamble concluded, I think it is now time to get into TakeOver with Bob's Breakdown.
0: It's TakeOver, Charlie Brown! So, (laughs) to kick off the action, uh, we get a match that is pure goofiness. Adam Rose versus Camacho. Rose and the Exotic Express dance to the ring from outside of the... (laughs) Ponzi scheme that is Full sale University Um, (laughs) Due to budget cuts There is only one Oompa Loompa suit guy there So Mm. bummer But Waldo, Tubes and Hair And Captain Comic Are still in attendance Along with many others Camacho comes to the ring And very importantly To me personally He takes off a shirt Good That is the right call Yes Love a shirtless man And dockers me
1: Especially that one
0: Yeah (sighs) He's so adorable So Rose confrontationally puts a sucker in his mouth. It's a tension you could cut with a turkey carver. I think there's a
2: new rosebud in the parade. Um, I may have just missed this one before, but I can't imagine that I did. There's one that kind of is just dressed like a yellow starfish. Yeah. like it, like an off-brand Spongebob Snuggie? Something I, like I that? I think it might have been oh.
1: a banana, but like with webbing in between the <sighs> arms and the legs and the banana parts. I'm not positive, though. I'll have to go back and look. <laughs> a was, banana flying striking. squirrel yeah 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 exactly
0: all right the bell goes and rose does that little mocking prance around camacho and like i know a mating display when i see one but whatever <laughs> the heat turns up when camacho gets rose in a full nelson and rose shimmies his butt against camacho's crotch until camacho breaks the hold yeah you love to see it
1: uh, it's i, I you was didn't lo- like it no i did i so okay so here's okay. the thing I have a like a, a sort of visceral reaction to anything that resembles gay panic in WWE because it's been mm. done so many times and so badly. But in this case, I mean Rose is the baby face and he wins, so it's like, fuck you, homophobe.
0: <laughs> also, I totally thought it was cause Camacho's like, dude, I don't wanna get a boner right now. It's gonna be inconvenient.
1: <laughs> I'm not not into it, but later maybe, for God's sake.
2: Given the pants he was wearing, there is a real risk of that. That's a good point. Is that that's what dockers are known for? Uh, I mean, they serve as a dock for your penis. I don't know. That's what they print on the advertising. That's for sure. Yeah. They were originally <laughs> called dickers, but then they had to change it. So Dockers,
1: don't get an erection. That's right. <laughs> or do. And then they just had the shrug emoji.
0: so Rose ducks a blow and then leaps into Camacho's strong arms this is the kind of fuckery I came to wrestling for
1: yeah
0: and then the wrestling starts for real and it's pretty good Camacho opens with a suplex that is tantamount to how you slam a freezer burnt bag of peas to the countertop. It's a real okay. over-the-head scenario. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, He yeah, just, yeah.
0: he,
2: like, almost throws Adam Rose into the light rig with that Yeah. Subtract. I didn't realize how incredibly strong he is until that moment. The one
1: where he's got his arms butterflied. Yeah. Yes. The one where he's got his arms butterfly, where he, like, throws him up. He goes so high. Like, I've seen that move done before, but.
0: Yeah, I had concerns, but he got up afterwards, so it's obviously yeah, fine. Yeah, no, he was
1: fine. I'm sure he won't get CTE for light on 20 years or so.
0: There's a lengthy eating an elbow hold worthy of Corey Graves. So the audience starts screaming, party time, all the time. And Camacho does a sarcastic peck shimmy at the audience. (laughs) (laughs) Chef kiss. They does that big old leg drop on Rose. Rose bounces back, knocking Camacho around getting him down the corner, leaving him open to the testicle torpedo. And then the party foul, which is a face bonk on the mat, but yeah. it's sort of a, it's a specially curated face bonking experience guided by the hands and shoulders of your opponents. And the party crew comes in to bear Adam Rose off stage now that he's won. And uh, Camacho just lays there in the ring like Patroclus felled in battle. <laughs> it's kind well of an said. aperitif of a match, it's like sure. the shortest one we get. Yeah. Miles, was this the first one just because it's the most pump you up kind of
1: vibe? I think it was the first one just because Adam Rose is really popular. Um, Normally, this is the kind of match like in terms of like its hierarchy in the company and how short it was and everything. It's usually the match that would go on after the opener, I think because um, mm-hmm. like I would have more expected Sammy and, and Breeze to That's be the I opener. Thought. But, you know, whatever. They, they did it a different way. I think it's just because everybody loves Rose, and they figured they could save the longer matches for later, because Rose... The purpose of the opener is to get the crowd excited, which is why you typically want a good match in there, but Rose mm-hmm. is going to get people excited no matter what he does, so send him out there for five minutes. We'll be fine.
0: I know. I'm kind of glad it wasn't long.
1: Yeah.
2: It also, I think, had the added benefit of because, you know, Rose and the Rosebuds, like, kind of entered from the outside of the building yeah. this time. Mm-hmm. Which which kind of, like, set the stage a little bit. Like, it felt like we were entering Arrival along with them. So, or Takeover. Entering, the, entering the
1: world of Takeover, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I thought, I, you know, it was uh, in terms of, Stagecraft, I guess, you know, it was thematically appropriate, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right. I wasn't paying attention to how the camera was operating and like turning us into a rosebud by following mm, like that, but I like that. it's true package. So our main character, Sami Zane is telling us about how this person, you know, pursuing his dream of being a pro wrestler is kind of all Sami Zane is. And he doesn't believe it's all about looks, unlike Tyler Breeze, but he's fairly careful to say You know, look, we're just fundamentally very different people. The end. Yeah. So, Dan, Miles has followed Sami Zayn for years. You and I have only had him in our lives for, I don't know, a year and a half. You are a trained, licensed practicing actor, and you know a whole bunch about the craft side of things. So I was wondering if you had any thoughts about the growth of Zayn's character or what kind of acting choices he's making, because he's so
2: good. I mean, he's hands down the best actor at NXT at this point, both in the ring and definitely uh, out of the ring. Yeah. I was thinking about this. I think there's probably two things at work with uh with Sami Zayn. Um for one thing, he's one of really only like a handful of performers at NXT that actually like arrived with a reputation and a character already formed from what I understand. You know, like the, the mm-hmm. audience knows him from his previous non WWE work, hence the whole Olay chant. So I feel like the character that he's playing is essentially himself. So to an extent, he's not really stretching that much. You know, it's not like he's Mm -hmm. trying to act and do a Zoolander impression at the same time (laughs) or anything like that. Um, But I think the thing that like really knocks him into another level is when he is performing, he's actually like listening to the person that he's talking to. Mm. Um, You know, every other wrestler on NXT pretty much is playing... Like, just playing an emotion or a character trait, and it makes them look like cartoon characters, basically. Like, when um, when Brodus Clay was feuding with Adrian Neville, you could tell that the performer was saying, I am a character who is angry. I'm going <laughs> to be angry in my performance, you know? So, like, his acting started and ended with himself— And with the emotion that he wanted to convey. So like he would have given the exact same performance no matter where he was or who he was acting with, because that stuff doesn't matter. You know, it's just about him. Um, Mm. I think Zane's acting is a lot more focused on the person that he's acting with, um, even if that that person is like an interviewer or the audience. So like he puts his attention on this other person and he says something to them in an effort to, like, get something from them, you know? And then he watches how they react to it, and then he reacts to their reaction. And that that's, like, that's actually good acting, you know? You don't, you don't come in and pretend to be angry or sad or whatever. Like, you come in wanting something from the other person, and the way that they respond will naturally lead you to an emotional reaction that is believable and natural.
1: Mm. Awesome.
0: And by the way, Tyler Breeze has entered the building, so yes, that's... Yes. Mm-hmm just want to put that out there. Yes. Match two. My vampire boys are here for their obligatory feeding. So also just take a second and be really grateful that this match is not Scotty Too Hotty and whatever the hell we watched at Arrival. So <laughs> yay for that.
1: Grandmaster Sexay was the name of his partner, Bob. Yep. S-E-X-A-Y. Sure was.
0: A-Y. Yeah. All right. So the team of El Local and Kalisto enter after the Ascension and the audience starts an aggressive yaw chant. <laughs> I know. It hurt. Dan and Miles, I don't know if either of you have an answer to this, either from an acting perspective or a wrestling perspective, but what the fuck do you do when you're meant to be the one the audience is cheering for and the audience just says, nah, we don't like you. What do you do?
1: Uh, I mean... Just give in, up. Just
0: act like it's happening even though it's not.
1: What I think you should do is a thing that has been done in the past, which is that you look over at the people you're wrestling, you lock eyes with them, you realize mutually what's happening, and you decide that for this match you are playing the villains and they are playing the baby faces and you wrestle it that way.
2: Mm. Yeah, I, I kinda think that's the smart way of doing it. Like I think uh the the good way of acting is If you're in a scene and like something unexpected happens, like you don't ignore it and, you know, pretend like it didn't happen. Like, you know, you engage with it in character. Like if a picture falls off the wall and it wasn't supposed to, you don't pretend that it didn't happen. You like go over and you fix it in character. And like normally as an actor, that doesn't extend to audience reactions because (laughs) like the audience isn't part of the scene. But in the case of pro wrestling, like you are playing a pro wrestler who is in front of the audience and the audience is part of the scene. So I think to, like, ignore their reactions is to, like, deny an essential part of the reality of the scene. So, yeah, I, I agree with Miles. I think you just got to
1: kind of roll with it and afterwards you decide what that means with your character. Now, that having been said, in the context of WWE, you really can't do that. Like, that's not a thing you're allowed to do for the most part. Um, At least not anymore. There there's one great match that I... I can't think exactly of who was involved and uh, what the show was, but I know it involved the Hearts um, because they were in Canada and the Hearts were the heels, but they were in Canada. And, Mm -hmm. like, it wasn't just, like, it wasn't just they kind of preferred the Hearts. It was they aggressively, fuck you other people. And... and (laughs) And you can see in the match, you can see the moment where they, the wrestlers look at each other and they're like, okay, I guess we're doing it this way. And the hearts wrestle the match as baby faces and the heels wrestle as heels and it works and it's great. And the crowd is super into it. It's like one of the great matches because of that choice they made. But you're also talking about like these guys in the main event, they've got that kind of freedom. They're, they're old hands, they're veterans. Nobody's going to yell at them when they get backstage. You know what I mean? Mm. Whereas like if if the Ascension and the and uh, call were to suddenly switch their alignments because of what the crowd was doing, they would definitely get yelled at backstage, which I think is horrible because I, I think you want to encourage improvisation in those moments and teach that. But they know that that's not what it's not going to fly for Vince. You know, when you get mm. to the main roster, it's like you have to maintain your character. You cannot just do this for a night because the crowd is being weird. You know what I mean?
2: Can I say, taking a step back, um, I will never not find it hilarious that uh, the Ascension's current entrance includes them literally ascending into frame. Um, <laughs> yeah, buddy. Because because what that involves is like I now have the mental image of them like crab walking into place, <laughs> <laughs> just just under the camera's eyesight, um, and that man. That, to me, makes the match. Like, I don't need to see anything else at that point.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I, you kind of got your wish. <laughs> Not a lot to see here. The bell goes, and the Ascension rushes the luchadors, who respond with stereo head scissors. Ricardo Rodriguez, El Local um, has been named in the Speaking Out movement, so boo to him. But more importantly, boo to the fact that, oh my god, his shit suffers by comparison to Callisto. I uh, maybe he was never very good, but there are some really brutal moments. we're gonna get into that, yeah, um <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> so the Ascension responds by slapping themselves in the face and then you know, stereo uppercuts. The vamps cut off Callisto, work him over the yawing both frequent and vigorous from the crowd. Victor strings. Callisto up in the tree of woe and Connor kicks him like he's trying to beat a dirty rug and doesn't have a tennis racket handy. Victor tags back in and pulls Callisto up only to slap him to the mat. Callisto is able to get up to the top corner and leap onto Victor's shoulders, flipping him head over heels and then making the tag to Elokal. Oh boy. Um... He knocks over Victor and then runs to knock over Connor, who's waiting to be tagged in, but Connor barely moves. And normally, whenever you do that move, the other person goes flying off the apron. So it makes Local look pretty bad. I'm guessing that was a botch, Miles.
1: I don't know that it was a botch, actually. Okay. So... My guess is that Connor thought he was selling it enough. I like he kind of like ducked <laughs> his head down, acted like, "Oh no, I'm hurt at ringside," um, <laughs> but you know, I don't. He he definitely could have sold it more. That's for sure. I, it's less of a botch and more of a choice being made by him. I am wondering if like it's possible that he just didn't think that local had hit him hard enough, and so like. <laughs> Since he didn't feel that much of an impact, he didn't want to, like, go flying off the ring because then he'd look, you know what Mm, I mean? True. So that's my that's my thought about that. But uh, but you're you're not wrong for pointing it out.
0: And then the moment that made me viscerally cringe and is also a prime reason why I do live theater, but rarely. (laughs) <laughs> El Locale is going to take out Victor with a sort of springboard backward off the middle rope and probably catching Victor in the head and dragging him to the mat. However, the <laughs> propulsion that El Local gets off the springboard is like he is bouncing off of one single solitary big pen. <laughs> <laughs> he barely brushes Victor, who dutifully collapses <laughs> yeah, to the mat as we though sold it. it was a mortal blow. El local's moonsault on Victor does go better and he gets, you know, a single pin attempt that's broken up by Connor and then that's broken up by Callisto. But the writing is on the wall. El Local is knocked down by Victor, stands up and it's the fall of man. One, two, three, Connor and Victor retain. I do want to take a second and say, it's just cause I got to get it out of my system. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh.
2: Miles, I uh, I noticed you didn't put uh, the outcome of this match on the cheap pop quiz uh, for the previous episode. That's that's interesting. I did you, not. Um,
1: okay, I almost did because I was going to do originally the three championship matches, and then I was like, well, that one's too easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I thought that putting the breeze Zane on their one would make it legitimately harder for Bob to get it right, but they got it right anyway. So what are you gonna do? But yeah, I definitely was like, hmm, it should be the the three championship matches, and I'm like. Who the fuck yeah. is going to think that El Local and Callisto are going to beat the Ascension?
2: What would have been hilarious, Miles, is uh, if in all the choices you just had the Ascension, like you didn't even have a reality in which this other team wins. <laughs>
1: that would have been good.
0: I do think Callisto is very good. Yes. I enjoy seeing him. Why? Why? Did they choose to have Callisto be the face in peril and have El local get the hot tag that seems like an atrocious choice
1: you have just you have just put your finger on the reason this match doesn't work i I don't know why that choice was made. It's like what do you do One of these people is. A new wrestler who's very, very talented and who you are trying to introduce to the world and make look cool and fun. The other one is a part-time, like, ring announcer who's, like, look, I'm not going to shame anybody, but he's not in shape. There there have been plenty of, like, luchadors who can do lots of cool shit who look like him, but... He mm-hmm. is clearly not one of them. He's not. He's like, not only is he not in yes. shape, but he's not doing things well. So it's like, and he's the one that you're going to like have get the hot tag and do all his cool moves, which consist of pretty much nothing. Like
2: he oof. also does kind of fight like he's wearing like one of those weighted uh, suits that you put on when you're working out so that when you take it off, you're like super fast. <laughs> but he forgot to take it off. You know, yeah, he's yeah. slow. Yeah.
1: I don't know. You you put your finger on it, Bob, and I can't answer that question for you. But uh, suffice to say, I'll have a little bit more to say about it later on. All right. Well, backstage, 30 seconds
0: of Tyler Breeze checking his eyebrows. Yep. Still there. Yep. Okay. Package. Tyler Breeze has the world hungry for that gorgeousness. People underestimate him because he's beautiful. They haven't seen all that he can do, though. Tyler Breeze isn't just a pretty face. However, let us be very clear. He is also a pretty face. Very much, yes. All right, match three. Zayn has new music!
1: Oh my God, and it's the Zayn <sighs> music. It's the Zayn music I, that he has for a long time, and I love it so much.
0: Is this his final form, as far as music goes, as far, Miles, or does as it change as later? As far as
1: NXT is concerned, this is his final form, yes.
0: I love it. I miss the other stuff. I miss that... But it just is so very Zane and Zane comes out like skanking yeah. kind of.
1: Yeah, he comes out skanking, which he still does. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just very happy for him. He seems pleased. Uh, so Tyler Breeze also has new music.
1: Yes, um, featuring himself on on the lyrics.
0: Yeah. And let's be clear, it's some Rex Harrison toxic, but it is fucking tremendous. And if you're wondering what Breeze is wearing today, William Regal assures us that it's ermine, which Mm -hmm. is the first time it's a real thing instead of a (laughs) fake thing. And he comes out and does that obligatory lounge on the top corner. The bell goes. They do some early submission and arm twisting shenanigans. Some real in the back of the car on a road trip with your family kind of stuff. <laughs> is that not universally relatable? Is this not a thing I, that I everybody has have done? I don't have siblings,
2: so. Oh, do you, okay. Do you think that Sami Zayn saw like a slug bug pass
0: by? Is that what you're? Is that what you're saying? I just I don't know. Something happens after you've been in the car with your sibling for more than <laughs> six hours. Yeah, you I, turn I into would a
2: gremlin. Be- I would definitely do a series of arm drags on my siblings after more than four hours. Oh my
1: god, I'm gonna have to be on the I'm gonna have to be on the other side of that. One of my kids is gonna die from a wrestling move. Shit. <laughs> Delivered by the other one.
0: Yeah, you're gonna have to have some really strong do not try this at home little packages for your kids. Daddy,
1: why haven't we watched wrestling since the other baby was born?
0: <laughs> They're like, no, we're not doing that. There will be no elbow drops. <laughs> So importantly, we do get the return of the trio of arm drags, and I was i I'm very happy to see it. Yes. And then back to sibling stuff, and this time it's hair pulling and just rubbing your hand in somebody's face. <laughs> Nobody likes this. Zane goes to sit on the top corner for a move, and Breeze just spins him, so he tumbles off the turnbuckle. 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 He bounces off the apron to the mat outside the ring. It looks terrible somebody's gonna get grounded over this zane (laughs) crawls back into the ring it's rough going it takes sammy three attempts to throw breeze off from a front face lock he gets breeze to the outside and does the butt bounce and sails backwards to bowl over breeze on the ramp it's a real massive humanity as they're fond of saying in the wrestling commentary (laughs) back in the ring he follows it up with that beautiful blue thunder bomb breeze kicks out of it like it's just not a super big deal man they're both flopping around the ring now, tired, trying to make a move stick. Breeze tries a DDT, no dice. Sammy does his Explorer suplex into the corner. Someone holds up a, what a maneuver sign. I saw that. I loved it a so greaser. much. Agree, sir. I know. I was like, I retweet your sentiments. <laughs> There's a wildly shifting Irish whip where each of them is trying to whip the other and Breeze finally flings Zane at the ref. Zane stops short and Breeze creeps up from behind for a roll up, kick out. They trade waist holds or whatever those things are whenever you're sort of like hugging from the back. It's it's getting real Chikara up in here. And then Sami Zayn gets hit with a super kick and kicks out of the pin attempt Earning a standing ovation, a yes chant, and a rousing rendition of the Ole chant. Miles, is there something I don't understand about why this moment was such a big pop?
1: Uh, I don't think it was, like, for the kickout specifically. I think that that standing ovation, when you have two wrestlers and they're doing, they, they're kind of getting the crowd excited. The maps have been going long enough, things are heating up, and then they do that kind of sequence where it's like, counter, counter, counter. And they kind of keep switching back and forth, counter, counter, counter. Mm -hmm. And then you finally get the big somebody finally hits the big move. Right. And they go for a pin and there's a kick out at that point. There's just kind of a natural sort of pause in the match Mm -hmm. because this long sequence has just happened. That was very exciting. And the person who just kicked out, like just kicked out, but they're still down. And the person who just hit them with something can't believe they've kicked out. And so you notice is kind of going like, what? Or whatever. And so I think the crowd at that point just saw an opportunity to kind of express how they were feeling about the match so far. You know what I mean? It was a really fun sequence and very exciting and back and forth. And the overall sense of what's going on is what provoked that kind of chant. And then I think the Olay thing, they start chanting Olay because now we're done with that. And now it's time to root for Sammy to get up, right?
2: I also do feel like that sequence... Could have been the end of the match, like, yeah. it, and it would have felt fine. And I think for there to be a kickout right there, like they're saying, guess what? There's more, yeah. and this ah. isn't the best part yet. Exactly, you know. And exactly. and I think that that's that's exciting for a crowd when, like, when you're already hyped up over how good it is. To be like, oh no, we're not we're not at the climax yet. Then you're like, oh shit, you know? Yeah. I, I feel like that was kind of the energy <laughs> I was getting off of that. Yeah, absolutely. Like,
0: okay, sorry. I just had this thought of like, what if porn did that? <laughs> what if like there was a moment there was, I don't know what the fucking equivalent would be as a kick out in porn. And then they're like, you haven't seen anything yet. It's going to get
1: bad shit. I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't watch competitive porn. But most porn I've seen is not competitive.
0: And that is a crucial failing. There is a market <laughs> opening here.
1: I do think that was a really great point made by Dan. Especially because it's a moment where there's a, a kickout has just happened, so nobody's won yet. So you're kind of just free to like express your appreciation for both wrestlers and what they're doing. Because that was a really big move, but the match isn't over yet. Like I said, there's that lull where you kind of just get to go crazy about the whole thing for a moment before you're worrying about who's won and who's lost.
0: All right. Zane screams in determination, grabs Breeze and faces him. Both of Breeze's hands are threaded through his legs and Sammy has hands clasped. He pulls spinning Breeze heel overhead to land in some raggedy ass Kama Sutra clinch. Breeze's... (laughs) legs sort of around Zane's middle and then it melts to the mat and they get it back together and they're standing in that position again. Zane gets his arm over Breeze's neck and throws Breeze up to pinwheel and then land back first to the mat. It looks scary as hell and Breeze kicks out Miles, was that a botch or was that what was th- there was a moment where I was very scared Breeze was going to come down on his head and wasn't going to tuck his head enough. Yeah, that
1: botch is kind of a low determined that when you say it was a botch, oh. you're, you're implying that kind of somebody was at fault or like did something wrong. OK, that no, should, this just, didn't feel like that, that shit just didn't work out like what okay. they were doing did not work. Uh, and I know exactly what he was trying to do because he's because Zane has done this. Uh, as El Generico all over the independent scene before he came to NXT. But basically, when he flipped Breeze over into the, what was it, the Kama Sutra uh, clinch? Clinch. Yeah, and uh, Breeze kind of had his legs around Zane but then he slipped to the mat. He wasn't mm-hmm. supposed to slip. He was supposed to keep okay. his legs around Zane and stay in that clinch, at which point Zayn was going to get his arm over his head, muscle him up, and do the move that he eventually did. Although even then, even after they got back in a position and did it again, they fuck it up a little bit because Breeze kind of lands like on Zane and then bounces off of him. Yeah. So it's super awkward. It definitely didn't go as planned. I don't remember if they ever try it again, um, which is a shame because it's a really fun move <laughs> to when you pull it off right. Um, but yeah, I-, I thought they honestly made it look as good as possible given the yes. circumstances. Like I like that. When Breeze, like, kind of realized what was happening, he, like, rolled backward and tried to get Zane in the pin. And then they used that to sort of set it up again. Like, I think they did a decent job rolling with it. But, yeah, that is not how that was supposed Mm -hmm. to
0: look. Yeah, I was perfectly happy with how it ended up. I mean, aside from the terror of going, oh, my (laughs) God, am I going to watch Tyler Breeze die? (laughs) Like. I could deal without that, but compared to El Locale, like, barely touching Victor and Victor <laughs> just collapsing, like, this was beautiful and it looked legitimate and meaningful
1: and it looked like actual wrestling, yeah. not just going, I tapped a guy and he died. It looked like he, he tried to do a wrestling move and fucked it up, and that's gonna happen sometimes when you're fighting somebody, so, I don't know, Yeah, I'm fine with it.
0: Zane is on a tear now. He does the big starfish, gets back in the ring, goes for the big boot. Breeze protects his face, inadvertently crotch-shotting Zane. I was not happy. All right. So Zane crumples, felled by the beauty shot, pinned for three, giving Breeze the victory. Is the crotch shot one of those magic tools in wrestling that allows for one wrestler to beat another without losing the overness that they've gained from the match? Because. I was sort of like, oh, they both looked strong, as angry as I was about this crotch shot. Sammy and Breeze, I felt like both came out of this looking incredible. And then, Dan, I was curious about your feelings because I have spoken about the emotions that crotch-based narrative turns bring about in me. I was curious (laughs) about what they bring about in you. That's an interesting question.
2: Um, So I know that in Hindu tantrism, the second chakra or uh, sacral chakra is located a little bit below the belly button
1: um, mm-hmm. and is
2: usually associated with the genitals. Um, mm-hmm. And it's said that this chakra can become blocked by fear. So I think in the moments when you see a one wrestler fly at another crotch first are the moments when they are saying, I do not fear you. <laughs> Behold how open my sacral chakra <laughs> is.
0: Mm.
2: <laughs> And I think what we saw in this is Sami Zayn ended up accidentally uh, blocking his own sacral chakra. And as we all know, he who knows fear burns at the touch of Tyler Breeze's beauty shot. So... I think Did that's somebody just
0: do a cursory wiki search before this podcast recording? Uh, I,
2: I, don't, I don't know why you would. I mean, I, I'm sure Miles does a lot of research, so I don't see why you would be talking, you know, <laughs> talking him down like that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, thank you for that lesson, yeah, Dad. Thank, you, just, that was thank beautiful. you for all of that.
1: Uh, yeah, of course. The, uh, to answer your question, Bob, I would not say the crotch shot is a magic bullet to have wrestlers stay over despite uh, losing or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think in this case, what really makes it work is the fact that it can, it's ambiguous. Mm. Did he do it on purpose or did he do it accidentally? We don't know. Mm. He's Tyler Breeze. Mm. Covering up his face is a thing that he does. And dropping down like that is kind of a natural reaction to a guy running across the ring at you with his foot in the air. So I think it's good because it's not, Explicitly cheating because sometimes explicitly cheating can have the effect of, oh, he just can't beat him, he just can't beat him, so he's gonna cheat, and that mm. does not do wonders for your credibility. Some wrestlers can establish themselves as being great wrestlers who cheat because it's faster and more efficient. And, like, you know that they could beat the other person if they wanted to, but they're an asshole, so they do low blows and stuff. Very Ric Flair thing <laughs> to do. Like, Ric Flair Ric Flair never needed to low blow anyone. He was one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, but he did because he was Ric Flair. <laughs> but in this case, I think it's great because Breeze can be seen as just taking advantage of a thing that happened. Like, through no fault, hmm. through no real fault of his own, or was it, but, like, you can't prove it. So like through no real Mm. fault of his own, Sammy got crotched and he took advantage of the beauty shot and won the match. So I think that but also like Sammy can say, on the other hand, hey, I just got hit in the nuts. You know what I mean? And if that hadn't happened, then maybe I win the match. So the specific way it's being used in this case is what does wonders for both guys, I think.
0: Okay, I have a testicle question then. Okay. (laughs) always wanted somebody to
1: say that to me. Did not know it was going (laughs) to be in this context.
0: Sometimes you see wrestlers do things that invariably I, I mean, unless you're wearing a cup, and even then it's not going to help that much, you are going to get crotched quite badly, yes. And yet they get up and they just roll with it. Now, either, all teen comedies have vastly overestimated for me, what it is like to be hit in the junk, or wrestlers are superhumanly strong and can just go like, "Eh?" I can walk it off. I mean, I th- which of these is it?
1: No, I think usually in wrestling, if you get hit in the crotch, like it's treated as kind of a big deal. Like there's a reason that a lot of the times you get hit in the crotch and then the match ends almost immediately thereafter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like you don't go on to do several big moves after that. I mean, maybe some people do, but I but I would say that like that's. I would say that most wrestling a crotch shot is treated as kind of a big deal. It's treated as a move that could potentially, like, put you away. You know what I mean? Like, because there's so many matches that end with them.
0: All right. So what I'm hearing is that teen comedies were not, they were not incorrect. Right.
1: Teen comedies have not betrayed you. I can confirm getting hit in the dick is an extremely unpleasant experience. And if I were wrestling and that happened to me, I would not be wrestling very much in the very immediate future.
2: Oh, I, I can tell you, like... Receiving a, an even moderate amount of of trauma yeah. to that area is enough to make me burn like two weeks
1: of PTO. Yeah, so you know, the worst thing about it is how little it takes.
0: Yeah, it's it's frankly embarrassing how little it takes. Are you telling me that you have brushed against a door frame and crumpled?
2: You know, okay, I think that's about it for <laughs> testicle talk. Uh, we should probably get back to this match. Testicle
1: talk. <laughs>
0: All right. Thank you. I I appreciate this. This is all wisdom that I desperately needed. Backstage. Canadians. Natty and Tyson (laughs) are hanging out with Uncle Brett in the stairwell area. And it just looks familial and nice. So yay. Yay. And then we go back out to the ring. And Lana is being introduced. Oh, it's time
1: for this part, is it? Oh.
0: Okay. She comes out. And twirls a lot so we can appreciate how hot she is, including how hot her butt is Mm -hmm. in this suit. Yes. Uh, She's not incorrect, so fine. She introduces Rusev, who is Russian now, and he comes out waving the Russian flag (laughs) like he's trying to swat a fly. There is a weak usa chant but a (laughs) much stronger no chant i love it he's here to receive adulation and lana says that everyone should stand up to receive his greatness like russia has received the great leader vladimir putin putin's face is now up on the entrance ramp screen (sighs) and neil and i looked at one another in horror and bafflement and honestly more fool me for not expecting it i guess but thoughts now thoughts after mojo rally i there's a lot to unpack here
1: so this is what they've been doing on the main roster
0: putting up pictures of vladimir putin and waving a russian
1: flag that's correct um oh okay <laughs> i thought maybe that was a weird thing to suppose but i nope, okay no nope, that is correct um this is a i'm i'm going to just re- read you quickly this op-ed from uh, february 2014 It's called American Media Salivates as the Cold War Resurfaces in Ukraine. Vitality, intelligence, brute force, proclaims Lana, the beautiful blonde with the sexy Russian accent, as the camera zooms out to reveal the hulking muscle-bound giant by her side. He is the super athlete, Alexander Rusev. Rusev, the Bulgarian brute, utters a string of ominous-sounding words in a foreign tongue. A graphic appears with his name spelled out in Cyrillic characters, beside an image of the Bulgarian flag. Despite the assurances of World Wrestling Entertainment that Rusev hails from Bulgaria, this video package evokes a too familiar message. The Russians are coming. It's a message that has been circulating since January, when the former Soviet nation of Ukraine started coming apart at the seams. The crisis in the Ukraine began for economic reasons as public protest erupted over President Viktor Yanukovych's decision to accept financial aid from Russia instead of the European Union. Since then, Mm -hmm. the situation has escalated at a rate that can be accurately described as exponential. Police began attacking protesters, after which protests quickly turned into riots. The anti-government opposition refused all attempts to negotiate, Yanukovych fled the country for Russia, and opposition leaders assumed power. Now it appears that Russian forces have invaded the Crimea, an autonomous part of eastern Ukraine, an act the new Ukrainian government calls a declaration of war. All of this adds up to a very simple media narrative. The plucky Ukrainians are rising up in peaceful democratic fashion against the corrupt dictator seeking to ally their nation with Vladimir Putin's Russia. They wanted help from the West, but Yanukovych turned to the East. He paid the price for that mistake, and the Ukrainian people, newly freed from the yoke of authoritarianism, now move to combat the retributive aggression of the evil empire. As always, things are more complicated than that. Yanukovych is undoubtedly corrupt, Newly revealed pictures of his unfinished presidential palace display a level of extravagance and greed rarely seen outside 18th century Versailles, but he was Mm -hmm. also democratically elected. Technically, Ukraine has undergone a coup. One of the driving forces in this coup seems to have been Ukraine's right-wing fascist movement, which is worrisome. Arseniy Yatsenyuk... The explicit favorite of the U.S. to take control in Ukraine quickly became the interim prime minister, which is suspicious. Of course, the difference between a flourishing of democracy and a violent undemocratic takeover is all in where U.S. interests lie. We supported Al-Qaeda in Syria because they were anti-Assad, as well as the recent Egyptian military coup because we didn't like their election results. Ukraine is no different. As for the media, their interests were blatantly revealed by Washington Post columnist George Will, who came right out and asked if we were witnessing what he called the final episode of the Cold War. That's clearly where the media wants this to go. Putin is the perfect villain, and his demonization has been heavily increased during the Olympic Games in Sochi. Between his disdain for human rights, his alliance with China, and his granting asylum to Edward Snowden, it's easy and profitable to build a new Cold War around Putin with a divided Ukraine as the battleground. Except, unfortunately, the Cold War never really went away. The US has spent the 25 years since the fall of the Berlin Wall expanding NATO until it brushes against the borders of Russia and bringing one Eastern European nation after another under Western influence. Putin has good reason to feel threatened, and as a reaction, invasion was painfully predictable. Last Thursday, Alexander Rusev used a submission hold once known as the Camel Clutch. It was used in the 1980s by the villainous Iron Sheik, and again in the mid-2000s by the fiendish Muhammad Hassan. The Sheik and Hassan were pop culture reactions to anti-Arab sentiment in their respective time periods, but that sentiment, like the War on Terror itself, was just a stopgap, a fill-in conflict that let us catch our breath and gather resources in preparation for the main event. WWE, it seems, is just as excited as everyone else about the return of the Cold War. So that's where we were politically when this was happening, which... I
0: well remember that.
1: Yeah. Um, And if you're wondering uh, who would possibly write a blatantly political op-ed for a student newspaper in Flagstaff that also involved wrestling... um, Could it have been a Miles? That would be me. Uh, So... (laughs) Oh, my God. You just quoted
0: yourself on your own fucking podcast. Look, it was very well written, and I appreciate your sentiment, and I appreciate the context, because I think the extent to which wrestling is a reaction and a creation of culture yeah. is... Interesting.
1: I just think it's important to remember where we were at the beginning of 2014. Oh, yeah. When we talk about this thing that Rusev and Lana are doing, because it is very much a direct response to what's happening globally on the world stage. Mm. Sorry for the fucking br- brief political science <laughs> lesson. <laughs> oh, man.
0: Well, it's always nice to get an apology for one of those. Normally, we don't. All <laughs> All right.
1: Dan, do you have any thoughts?
0: Uh, I was just wondering when you were going
2: to get to the dissertation, but no, that's fine. That's fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, actually, here's the thing. Under this entire segment, I have one note, and that is, Miles, what the hell? So I, f- I feel like you've at least addressed
1: that part. Yes, thank you.
0: Yeah. I feel like the what part has been addressed. I feel sure. like the hell part remains unresolved other than this is how WWE processes the world is like.
2: (laughs) Yeah. What if a strong man though? We haven't even gotten to the most head scratching part of it in my opinion. All right.
1: So continue, Bob. I'm sorry.
0: Okay. Rusev is out there. Will no one stand up against this obviously foreign man? One man. Well, (laughs) that man, America's hero. (laughs) It's Mojo Raleigh, the captain fucking America <laughs> of this thing. He comes out with an American flag. He is not better at
1: waving it than Rusev is. <laughs> nobody in wrestling can wave flags and it's fucking no. hilarious. It's like a historical artifact of the wrestling industry that nobody knows how to wave a flag.
0: <laughs> it is the weirdest, like, deficiency. They wave it like they're trying desperately to get you to notice that they're waving it, but don't want you to see what's on it.
2: Yes. It it also seems like they they get tired halfway through a wave and have to like take a second or two to catch their breath, and then they start again and again run out of energy.
0: (laughs) So Mojo Raleigh gets his ass kicked by Rusev, and it is fucking tremendous lana is cackling in the corner the audience is ruffling with indifference and light (laughs) booze mojo ends up in the accolade doesn't tap rusev throws him out of the ring lana gives the signal and rusev heads over to the fallen mojo raleigh on the ramp and locks it in again the commentary team is like giggling a little bit (laughs) and otherwise awkwardly trying to deal with what is being presented to them. And this whole thing reminded me powerfully of a sign on the door of my very favorite lit professor. Um, It's a Mystery Science Theater 3000 quote. And it says, part of me is laughing. I think it's the part of me that hates life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look. At least, if there's a silver lining here, Mm -hmm. and and y'all wouldn't necessarily know this, but, like, usually when this kind of shit happens in wrestling, it does not go down this way. The person waving the American flag comes in, beats the crap out of the foreigner, and occasionally shoves the American flag so far up between the guy's legs that it looks like it's sticking out of his butt. Because that's that's funny.
0: You're not supposed to do that to the flag if you believe that the flag is anything?
1: Look... All I know is that there were some French people once and Batista made it look like he had stuck the American flag up their butt. What, what happened here is that the American guy came out with the flag and was like, I'm going to defend the United States from you, Rusev. And then Rusev just beat the fucking piss out of him and it was kind of amazing. <laughs> See, I was expecting that first narrative, and I was just, like, watching
2: this, like, what is, like, the message? Like, what is this story (laughs) being told here? I I watched this episode twice for this recording, yeah. and the second time, I was like, man, I really want some tea, but, uh, like, what's up next? And then this part came up, and I was like, oh, okay, I don't need to pause this. I'm just going to go for tea. Like, I'm not going to miss anything. (laughs) See, I think the silver lining of this whole segment was when a Yoshitatsu chant started yes. for no apparent reason. <laughs> yes.
0: Wait, there was a Yoshitatsu chant during this part? Oh, there yeah, was. there
1: absolutely was. It was, was. <sighs> the
0: best part of the whole thing. Oh, my God. My feelings about Yoshitatsu are so powerful. <laughs> I think he is a benevolent god of wrestling. And it's just like he's a good he's the good fairy.
1: It's great how little the crowd was into it. And it's great that he just got his ass kicked and Rusev left. I don't know. <laughs> like, I think the point of this is just to be like, Russians are coming. Be afraid. Be very afraid You'd be, to go watch Raw and SmackDown to see an actually important guy from America beat him up.
2: Mm,
1: like, Because mm. that's what happens. It's like, just go go watch Raw and SmackDown. John Cena will beat him up for you. you know?
0: America's stepdad, John yeah, Cena.
1: That's right. And All apparently right. China's too. Anyway,
0: (laughs) (laughs) women's action! Ah! All right. Oh my
1: god, this match.
0: Cool package uh, setting up the stakes of these two women from Legendary Families feuding. We get to see both Ric Flair and Bret Hart, and just, I'm very sorry. I know people have strong feelings about Ric Flair. Ric (laughs) Flair looks like a used car salesman (laughs) every time I see him. (laughs) From the greater Houston area, naturally. (laughs) Bret Hart looks like your weed dealer's kindly father, and I love him. (laughs) It is also very strange to see early Charlotte on the mic, now that I have seen her on the mic in 2020 and 2021, to go, oh, wow, you could command an audience to kill for you now, and they would do it. Yeah. That's a little scary. Paige comes out to open it up. And to thank everyone for their support because she wouldn't be where she is today without that support. And the future is now and the future of women's wrestling is here at NXT. And then Charlotte enters and she has new music. Mm-hmm. And it's that remix of Thus Spake Zarathustra, a.k.a. that one song from 2001 A Space Odyssey with the um, thing.
1: She's still coming out to it today, basically.
0: Oh, it's fun. I like it. And she's got dad there with her. Natalia enters wearing her crop top cape. She's joined by Uncle Brett, who is wearing an untucked and slightly rumpled button down shirt.
1: <laughs> he just looks like he's. They called him up like an hour ago and he was like, oh, fine, I'll get down there, I guess.
0: I know. And I felt a little bad, like that Brett Hart didn't look more aggressively committed, but I was also like, there is a cultural difference between Canadians and Americans. And <laughs> I. I think it's okay that Bret Hart is a little bit more measured in his response to this whole affair.
1: Sure. Yeah,
2: I I agree. I think it's a very Canadian thing to be like, oh no, I I don't want to make Ric Flair look bad in comparison. I'll just I'll just dress down a little
0: bit, you know. <laughs> Not going to iron these jeans. Yeah, which he was wearing jeans, whereas Ric Flair's wearing like suit is a generous word, but I mean it's suit shaped.
1: It's a suit, I think. Yeah.
0: Ooh, I know some things about fashion that was. Mm, Okay. The bell goes and it's a lot of technical wrestling. Highlights include Natalia spinning around on the mat in a circle like that one Michael Jackson thing, (laughs) Charlotte doing a one handed cartwheel, Natalia screaming into Charlotte's boot like it's a mic, Natalia doing a sarcastic woo, a Casadora into a spooning fight, and Natalia being chopped to death by Charlotte and then a non consensual piggyback ride. And now we get into some real stuff. The figure four headlock, which somehow they managed to hold together through a somersault. Yes. I have
1: a row of question marks after that. The (laughs) ab strength of both of them. That core, man. I have no words. The figure four headlock thing is hilarious because, like, I'm pretty sure they just made that up. (laughs) <laughs> like oh, is I've that not what it that, is? I've never seen that move called the figure forehead luck before, but whatever. If William Regal's telling me what it's called, I'm not going to argue.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, once he says something, I'm just
2: like, oh, that's probably a thing. Wrestling moves are a lot like Mexican food, where it's like, it's the exact same ingredients. And oftentimes they're put together in the exact same way. But you just call them
0: slightly different <laughs> things. And you're like, yeah, it's <laughs> totally mm-hmm. different. And yet I feel very strongly that I want one over the other. Absolutely. Like, I'm going so true fuck you I don't want a gordita like I want this (laughs) other thing that is almost indistinguishable from it tacos and gorditas are like so similar in terms of ingredients and yet I'm like no no get away from me with this other thing I want what I want also strong feelings about rolled versus stacked enchiladas like Mm. and that's not even anything that's just how you organize it
1: wait which one do you prefer
0: I'm from New Mexico I like them stacked I don't like them rolled blasphemy i know that my stance on it is a sin i am prepared to accept that (laughs) okay things start to get a little more desperate natalia decks charlotte right off the apron onto the ramp charlotte retaliates by grabbing natty's leg and twisting it to pull her off the apron to the outside is an ouch to the knees they get back into the ring and charlotte goes to the top for a moonsault which i'd never seen charlotte do a moonsault before natalia rolls out of the way Natalia strikes and gets the sharpshooter locked in, pulling Charlotte away from the ropes. And it's looking bad. And then Charlotte manages to slide through and get Natalia down onto the mat and get in the figure four leg lock, which I guess is actually a thing.
1: It is, yes. We talked about it on the last episode. I and remember will, that. And you will be explaining it in fanfic form on the next episode.
0: Oh, shit. I forgot about that. <laughs> So their legs are intertwined and it's it's kind of like watching snakes fight, I guess. Natalia tries to roll it over to reverse the pressure, but Charlotte makes sure they always wind up upright. They get all the way to the apron and Natalia chucks Charlotte over the edge, legs still locked together as Natalia clings to the ropes. The ref has to break it up and Charlotte kicks Natalia knee first into the solid steel steps. Charlotte chucks Natalia back in the ring and locks in the sharpshooter, which I was like, fucking rude. Natalia curls in and somersaults, dragging Charlotte along to land back first to the mat. Natalia tries a move, but Charlotte kicks her off. And while Natalia's on her knees, trying to gather herself, Charlotte does her cutter, bow down to the queen. That's right. And Charlotte pins Natalia to win the NXT Women's Championship. And then it's like something sort of magical and unique to wrestling happens. The artifice just falls away. And it's two families of performers in the ring. Ric Flair is crying. Charlotte is crying. Natalia is crying. Charlotte and Natalia hug. Ric Flair and Bret Hart hug. Natalia raises Charlotte's arm in victory. And the camera catches this emotional weepy face from Ric Flair seeing his daughter in the ring. And I was trying to think, is there anything that's like this? And the closest I could think of is like, I don't know, maybe the Academy Awards, maybe the Tonys. Mm. But it's not a real award, and it's not really you winning it. But it is a real award, and it really is you winning it. The match isn't real, but the performance is. And it had a weird feeling of being both in character and fourth wall breaking at the same time. And I was just wondering what you thought about that post-match stuff. Because they spent time showing it in a way that they didn't with a lot of the other matches. They decided to focus on the emotional impact of this. And I was curious, like what it did for each of you as audience members.
2: I could see it being a little bit of, you know, them, them dropping kayfabe, but I prefer to think of it as being completely in character. Um, Mm. Particularly, I think because it really enriches the character of Charlotte to do that. You know, you were saying, Bob, how you have seen Charlotte in the last year. Um, I have not, I haven't seen anything from charlotte past this episode right now um Mm -hmm. so like i don't know what lies in her future but the idea that we've had this dangerously ambitious kind of um backstabby mean girl character who up to this point has just been pure ruthlessness and to give her this moment of vulnerability where she lets her guard down she actually shows like genuine respect and love for her opponent. Like that enriches her character so much if it is in character. Um, Mm. And, you know, I, I don't think that uh, WWE is necessarily a company that's great at uh, nuanced characterization, Mm -hmm. Um, but like keeping her a heel while actually incorporating some of this character depth would be really amazing.
1: I uh, I don't want to talk about what happens with her character immediately after. I will say that it does get affected, you know, by this. So it's not it's not they don't pretend this didn't happen. I do think there's a a reasonable amount of kayfabe being dropped here. And it's for a number of reasons. You know, this is the kind of thing that you're going to see a lot uh, as we move forward, Bob, in big women's matches. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that sense, it's only because their big women's matches and this match went 15 minutes long or however long it went it was god it was something like that wasn't it
2: it felt shorter because like there was no downtime in that match
1: like no they they went all out the whole time yeah it was all it was almost a 17 minute match it was the second longest match on the show only behind the main event you know and just women didn't get 17 minute matches where they got to do like intricate counter wrestling and look amazing and depending on your perspective, have the best match on the show. Like that yeah. wasn't the thing that that happened. And so, you know, with this match and really starting with Paige and Emma, but like going forward, it starts happening really consistently. These performers know that they're doing something groundbreaking and they're doing something revolutionary and they're actually changing things in a company that would not have allowed them to do this even mm. even a few years previous. That's a big part of of why the waterworks start happening from the performers. In this case, there's a lot more going on, especially with Rick. And you just have (laughs) to you don't need this context to be able to get into the emotions of it. But if you do have it, they'd make a big deal in the opening video package about the hearts and the flares and the rivalry between them, whatever, a lot of it is kind of just like over, like not made up, but like, you know, overemphasized like the, the hearts (laughs) versus the flares was never really a thing. You know what I mean? Like it was Rick flair and Bret Hart fought each other a few times, but like, it wasn't like this is a family dynasty thing, you know? And that's really because there wasn't a flares, like the flares wasn't a thing. Despite the fact that Rick really wanted it to be, he had a son, he had a lot of kids. He's had like five marriages, um I'm sure surprising no one. His oldest son David was in pro wrestling but was terrible at it. Just like mm. just like painfully bad at pro wrestling. He got to do some stuff in WCW and it was just like really not great. In WWF his biggest accomplishment was getting the shit kicked out of him by The Undertaker when he and Flair were feuding. Um but he mm. just wasn't very good at it. And then Rick had another son named Reed who was like a standout high school wrestler. And uh, had been signed to a contract at the to a developmental contract in WWE and was actually doing it. And about two months before the episode that we kicked off our coverage with Bob, the the episode with Sami Zayn's debut, uh, Reed died. Oh, he, man. He died of, a I believe, a, a heroin or some other kind of drug overdose. Ah. And I think that was the thing that galvanized Charlotte into becoming a wrestler because she wasn't she wasn't going to be. And then that in combination with the fact that, like, this match for Charlotte, I think she's still working in character a lot of the time, but this match really has nothing to do with her character or the storylines that are going on with her. This match is a coming out party for her. This match is this match is look at this talent that we have because she's been kind of kept under wraps, Mm -hmm. hasn't been allowed to do very much. And this is the match where everybody was like, oh, shit. okay." She's good. And, you know, Rick is her dad and and Brett is 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 Natty's uncle. And, like, in the video package, you can see Rick say, like, she's got the gift. It just means so much more. It means so much more for Flair. The Hart family's a thing. There's tons of hearts in wrestling. And (laughs) Natty had been there for years anyway. Natty's already had her. She's been Diva's champion. Like She might not have had a match as good as this in WWE, but, like, she's been around. Like, this does not mean as much to Brett. Or to mm. Natalia, you know, and it wouldn't mean as much if she had won as it does to to Charlotte with Ric Flair. Like the fact that she's won this match, she's been crowned NXT champion and they have unveiled her and said, look at this secretly amazing wrestler that's now our champion. And she is a success and she has continued to be a success. And it just means so much to him. And you can see uh, over the course of the match. Rick's involved. Rick is reacting to everything. He's taking off his jacket, throwing it like he's really, (laughs) really animated. And Britt's just kind of sitting there watching.
0: Britt Hart looked away for the ending like he just (laughs) walked away slightly.
1: So this is all a long way of saying there's a lot going on with the emotions in this match. But I think that specifically is why you're seeing Rick is crying because one of his children... Has finally fucking succeeded in the wrestling industry, which is what he always wanted. And in the process, whoops, she revolutionized WWE's gender politics. Like, (laughs) you know, so it's pretty it's pretty cool in a lot of different ways.
2: Miles, you mentioned that from a certain perspective, you know, this is kind of the, the best match of the whole episode. Yeah. I will say that is the correct perspective. This was by far the best match. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: I think I think, you know, Sammy and Tyler was really good, too. But I would definitely give it to this match. Absolutely.
0: Well, we do have one more match left, and it is the main event. We do get a package first. It's about Adrian Neville. And the story here is that he's great. Bottom line. No, Adrian Neville didn't say that. But I mean, that's the takeaway. He's great. (laughs) Neville and Tyson each come to the ring and the bell goes. They lock up pretty roughly and the ref breaks it up. And there's this angry handshake. And some pointed words that the camera doesn't hear. And then we get into technical wrestles. It's at higher speed than the women's match. Kid drags Neville to the mat. Neville does a leg scissors on Kid to break the hold. Kid has on him. Kid does a kip up out of the leg scissors and turns to look at Neville like, you thought that was enough? And then pats Neville on the fucking head. (laughs) Mm-hmm. commentary puts over that they get compared to each other a lot and it's borne out by this action in the ring there is this sense of them mirroring each other's moves all throughout there yeah. is a series of cartwheels and handsprings traded around there's a high speed exchange where they whip at each other and one of them jumps over and the other does a somersault underneath and then one of them does an arm drag and the other does an arm drag and they both go for drop kicks at the same time they do stereo kip-ups I was powerfully reminded of those superhero stories where a superhero has to fight a clone of themselves.
1: Mm. Yeah, sure. And it
0: just felt like that. Kid kind of snaps and gets Neville, throwing him in the corner, string him up in the tree of woe and kicking the shit out of his spine before ending it with a drop kick that knocks him down and then holds. It is punctuated with action, but holds. Neville does battle back and both of them come flying in crossbodies that collide in the middle of the ring with this audible slap of muscle it's very noisy and it didn't sound like it felt good (laughs) and neville then does the exact same tree of woe spot from earlier and a fancy dancy springboard forearm is looking okay for neville until kid catches him with his boot to the head they both get it together and they start going bigger but are still spoiling each other's moves and it is wild because neville leaps to the second rope like he's going to springboard backward off of it and kid just follows lands on the middle rope next to him and does this leg sweep dragging neville backward off of the rope
1: it's a great spot
0: it is so great kid tries to suplex neville and then neville reverses it suplexing kid over the top rope but they stay hooked together like this kind of jacob's ladder yeah so neville gets seesawed to the outside after kid Miles, why aren't half the matches at WrestleMania this good? (laughs) This match has some, like, Cirque du Soleil shit going on. Yes!
1: I mean, most of the people at WrestleMania can't do this shit.
0: Apparently not, because, like, I mean, look, I think Drew McIntyre is very beautiful, and I think he's good at wrestles. I think he cannot probably do half of this stuff. No. Now, granted, is probably because he's a very tall man. Yes, and I, I don't want to see what would happen if he tried to do moon salt. <laughs> I think he might die. <laughs> now, for some brutality, Kid applies the sharpshooter, and Neville wriggles so that Kid transitions into an arm lock, dungeon lock. They called it. And I was like, a dungeon, dungeon lock yeah. is that? No,
1: okay, all right.
0: It looked painful. And the fact that kid is just kicking Neville in the head while yeah. it happens, real insult to injury. I love a Neville submission hold it. where
1: you can kick him in the face while you're doing it. It makes me so happy. I
0: do love that. If you're not if you're not taking that opportunity to also go like, hey, hey, fuck you. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> It'd be so great Neville, if that
2: was written on the bottom of your shoe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just fuck on one foot and yeah, then you, you on the, the other. other. Beautiful. Neville breaks it, gets to the ropes. Kid goes to the top, and Neville keeps trying to follow him up there. And he's kind of looking punch-struck, but time number three he follows. He does a hurricane up. maybe? It's the neck grab with the knees flippy thing. Yeah. Oh, nailed it. That knocks Kid out just enough for Neville to leap to the top, do the red arrow, and pin Kid for the win. Neville retains. The audience goes wild. And, you know, they do the of the whatever it's I don't know what that stuff is nor do I know why they do it I don't particularly like it or think it looks that cool it's like we can't do pyro indoors in this particular
2: space so (laughs) we just have
1: this
2: (laughs) I will say uh towards the end of the match this is another one of those examples I was talking about at the top of the show where like the storytelling is a bit more transparent here than I'm Mm -hmm. used to seeing because like there's that moment where Neville like launches kid kid sort of like ends up landing in like the center of the ring but then he like bounces himself up <laughs> so that he ends up a lot closer to one of the rear turnbuckles oh yeah and i mm. and i was
1: like oh that's
0: because they're about to do the red arrow yep. and and kid yes. wanted to make sure he was close
1: enough absolutely
0: yeah i do enjoy those little moments i'm like yeah yeah i mean look i we've all been there and in a look, in you got to do what you got to do and, And him doing that meant I got to see the
2: Red Arrow. And that's always a good time.
1: Always a good thing.
2: Yeah.
0: Neville goes to Kid to offer a handshake of camaraderie because he was raised to be a polite hobbit. Kid just shoves past him and leaves, hobbling to the back. And Neville looks disappointed, but the fans appreciate that he tried and give him some more applause. The end. So now we've learned that uh, Hobbit politeness uh,
2: is greater than Canadian politeness, which I know it was back there for a while.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you so much for that breakdown, Bob. How did you find NXT TakeOver?
0: I am comparing it to Arrival. There are things about it that are significantly more awesome than Arrival. Okay, I think it had a lot more bangers in it than Arrival did. Agreed. But Arrival had that. Sami Zayn Cesaro match. I mean,
1: so, yeah, it's hard to top uh, that.
0: Yeah, that's usually uh, the only thing
1: to top that. Sami Zayn Cesaro match is another Sami Zayn Cesaro match. Yeah, there
2: yeah. was there was a minute in Sami Zayn's little like package before his match with Tyler Breeze where like they were openly showing stuff from his various matches with Cesaro, and I was like, I don't know that that's the comparison you want to be bringing <laughs> to people's mind. Like
0: Tyler Breeze is fine; he's not exactly Cesaro. No, I still think everything was good. The highs were not as high, but the median was substantially higher okay. than it was at Arrival, is what I, I think that's, I think I will come down on this.
1: I think that's pretty accurate. Well, uh, we're going to get into the sights, sounds and feels of pro wrestling. But first, it is time to ring the bell. Mm. Now, there's two of these today, Bob, and uh, one okay. of them uh, is going to be significantly more tragic than the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first of all... We are ringing the bell for El Local. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. This Mm -hmm. is the final NXT match for El Local, and indeed his final match in WWE period, as he was released from the company about a month after this. And what's cool about it, and I'm just going to spoil one thing from the immediate future of NXT real quick, is that he's going to get replaced in this tag team with Kalisto so thoroughly and completely that nobody ever remembers he was even here. Um, oh, <laughs> music fuck. to my ears. So we never have to talk about him again, which is great because he's allegedly a predator and also because he kind of sucks at wrestling. Yeah. He still pops up on the independent scene occasionally, but never anywhere important. He didn't really do anything with his career post NXT, so He's yeah.
0: not at Impact, is what you're saying? I
1: <laughs> No, he's not at Impact. And uh secondly, we are also ringing the bell for Camacho. Oh, what? Yeah. Um, Like El Local, this is the final WWE match of any kind for Camacho. But his story has a significantly happier ending. Okay. After being released a couple weeks after TakeOver, he spent a year or so over in Impact, where he went by the name Micah. And the first thing he did was remind everyone that he was the son of the famous Tongan wrestler Haku, a.k.a. Meng, which for some reason WWE had decided to ignore so much they pretended he was Mexican.
2: Uh, in 2016,
1: he went even further, making the move overseas to New Japan Pro Wrestling, where he changed his name to Tonga Loa, which is the name of a family of gods in Tongan mythology.
0: That's fucking badass. And
1: became a member of famously non-Japanese stable The Bullet Club. Ah. And he teamed up with his cousin and adopted brother, Tama Tonga, to create the Gorillas of Destiny tag team. Gorillas as in the soldiers, not the apes.
0: All right. Man, I was so fucking hyped for these Destiny apes.
2: (laughs) I know he could have chosen either. He made the wrong choice. I'm (laughs) I'm sorry to say.
1: Uh, Yeah, He's been there ever since, and it's proven to be a pretty good move. The Gorillas of Destiny have held the IWGP Tag Team Championship seven times, which is more than any other team. Uh, In terms of combined number of days as champion across all reigns, they are currently in third place all time with 749 days as champs, though that number is only going up because they are the reigning champions as we record this. Uh, They're also three-time never-open-weight six-man tag team champions, twice with Bad Luck Fale and once with Taiji Ishimori, and they at one point held the IWGP Tag Team Championship and the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship at the same time, it is safe to say that of all the people we will ever ring the bell for because they're leaving the company rather than just going to the main roster, nobody has achieved more post-WWE success than Camacho.
0: Fuck yeah. So, That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Tangalo is great. Sad to see him go, but if you want to see more of him, go check out New Japan. If you're okay with, with your wrestling without any women in it, go check out New Japan. They do good things. Well, it is now time for the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. So Megan Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see?
0: So many signs. Okay, (laughs) I'm going to do my top three. I saw Breeze is my dad. Yep. (laughs) I saw cast Neville for the next Hobbit. Yep. very happy about that one and then one that i just really enjoyed which whenever they were doing a long hold it just said rest hold yep i, saw all I just three of really those. appreciated it yeah they were uh. great all right
1: miles what did your elf i see oh my god which one do i pick here okay um see neville should wrestle naked i have that written down i would watch it <laughs> Tyler Breeze is He-Man, that's a complicated theory that I won't go into it right now, but I'm pretty sure Tyler (laughs) Breeze is actually He-Man. Alright, uh, my elf eyes saw Chris Christopherson in the crowd. Yes! (laughs) And I was just so tickled by that, because you know that when Adam Rose is doing his thing, and Captain Comic is there in in the entourage as one of the Rosebuds, Chris Christopherson is going, That's my boy! That's my son! He's the reason we got tickets! that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right dan what did your elf i see uh there's a
2: a very brief cut to charlotte and rick flair as they uh walk through the backstage hallway you know like heading toward the stage and they're walking toward the camera but like the camera's moving very slowly so they're <laughs> trying not to run into the camera as they walk toward it and like their pace ends up getting so awkwardly slow as a result it it sort of reminded me of like being in line at the airport like waiting in the security line and just like shuffling forward at this incredibly (laughs) awkward pace it was great it's so
1: funny when you notice things like that because like i remember i was watching this and i was watching at one point it showed the announce desk it was tom byron and uh regal and tom is like doing some like you know, canned promo like he's promoting Legends House or something, right? But, like, if you don't look at the guy talking and you just go back and forth between the other two, it's so fucking entertaining because they're just, like, nodding and smiling and occasionally looking at Tom and looking back at the camera and making a face (laughs) like they know what he's talking about and nodding and smiling. (laughs) Megan Bob, for this episode, what did your Vulcan ears hear?
0: It is the delivery with which Tyler Breeze says, not every camera is staring at someone who's gorgeous. Is my beauty a distraction for my opponents? Yes. Is it a distraction for the entire world? Again, yes. <laughs> so fucking good. And he looks at the camera like, I can't believe that anyone would doubt this. Have you seen me? Yeah. I fucking love Tyler Breeze. And I can't believe I'm saying that. I didn't know I was ever going to say that. I did. Even the first time that I saw him. <laughs> you did. You I do. Know.
1: Oh, I I suspect. Oh, let's put it that way.
0: I know because I'm allergic to meanness, but he's <laughs> mean in a f- way that feels like like it's not personal, no, and just, therefore I'm like, all right. I just fine. don't how you
1: see. I just don't see how you could not like. I, this, this inconceivable I to me.
0: All right, Miles. What did your Vulcaneers hear?
1: I mean, there was only one option for me, really. Like, I want. I was going to talk about like Sami Zayn's new theme and the significance. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Look, after Adam Rose wins his match against Camacho, the rosebuds come out. They're all dancing. And Regal says, there's one missing. I'm looking for the one that I was out with them all the other night. You know, there's a one-legged Elvis impersonator does a wonderful rendition of blue suede shoes. He's not there. (laughs) And then Saxton immediately just deadpans, you must have had one too many lollipops.
0: (laughs) (laughs) These are ecstasy lollipops. Delicious. Uh, I
2: just think it's fantastic. Headcanon accepted on all fronts. Absolutely. All right, Dan, what did your ears hear? So um, Adrian Neville uh, mentioned that the NXT title was more important than any teeth in his mouth.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And
2: Adrian, no. (laughs) No, it is not. Adrian needs to value his dental health. Like, think about how difficult it would be to have second breakfast without teeth. Honestly. Oh, man, that's a good point. Think that title's going to chew
0: that for you? I don't think so. That's a good point. (laughs) I did hear that, and I was like, that tracks. You're a fucking wrestler.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Bob, what did your human heart feel?
0: I'm a sucker for the big cry spot. You know, the families came out, and everybody started hugging and crying. And I was like, well, that's it. That's what my human heart feels, because... I could give a shit about Ric Flair, but you show me a dad crying about his kid and I'm like, alright. Yeah. You got me. Yeah. You saw me and th- you gave me the thing I wanted. I was tearing up so like that's during what the I
1: video felt. package.
0: Aw. Miles, what did your human
1: heart feel? Well, I already like blew my load with the whole hearts and flares thing <laughs> earlier. Like I, I <laughs> that was definitely like what my heart felt the most of all, but I've already talked about that. So I'm going to talk about it instead uh, one other thing that I really loved Which was um, Tyson's heel turn. Oh! He is a heel going forward. And I think it's so cool and interesting how he... You can literally see him turn heel over the course of the match. Yeah! (laughs) Because, like, they start off and, like, he's cocky. But he's still a baby face. You know what I mean? Like they do the handshake like heels don't shake baby faces hands. He does. But it's like super cocky and weird. Right. Like he, he's, mm. he just knows he psyched himself up. He knows he's going to beat this guy. They do the whole mirror images thing where they're all doing the same things at each other. Uh, and it's really good. But then when he realizes there's that that bit and it's right after they both kip up, I think because they've done a bunch of moves, like, together in, in, in sequence until that, and they both kip up at the same time, and they're staring each other down, the crowd's going crazy, and Tyson just punches him. And then a completely new phase of the match begins, where they're not doing that as much, and instead it's Neville being the face in peril, and Tyson, like, beating him up. Because Tyson's like, oh, fuck this shit, I actually want to win this. Apparently I can't mm-hmm. just assume that I'm better than this guy, I actually have to, like try and and use more of a mean streak to beat him because he can match my athleticism. So he's like getting frustrated, right? And as the match goes on, you can just see him get more and more and more frustrated as everything he attempts to do. He does that crazy fucking somersault leg drop off the top rope while Neville is hanging from the second rope and that doesn't get a yes. pin. And you can just see him getting visibly more and more upset. <clears throat> Ultimately doesn't win the match. And then by the end, you know, at the beginning of the match, he shook Neville's hand, but like kind of cockily at the end of the match. There's mm. no way he's shoving him aside with the shoulder and he's going out because he's a bad sport because he's frustrated and pissed off. And he's a heel from this point forward. And I just think it's really great.
0: I agree. I, now that you put that in the context of this is this whole match is his heel turn. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. All right. Dan, what did your human heart feel? Well, so
2: I felt a a bit of a moment of frustration early on in the Charlotte Natalia match Um, (laughs) because there's a a really good moment where the two of them are kind of sizing each other up, where like each of them gets to establish a hold and the other reverses it, and you know it's again it's that visual storytelling. It shows that they like they understand each other; they're on the same level. It's a nice kind of beat to set up the match with, right? But partway through that moment. Which the moment is like ten seconds long, maybe, but they cut to a reaction shot to Bret Hart before mm. the moment is finished. Oh my god! So, I noticed mm. that too. So we don't get to see the whole thing play out. This like whole tone setter for the match, and I was like, ah, it was so frustrating to me. It's like right- <laughs> and I was like, I see what you're doing, and it's great, but <laughs> but you just you just dropped it from. A- from a bad camera choice. It's right at the
1: beginning, mm. right? Or close to the beginning? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. It's, it's the first maybe like 20 seconds of the Because Natty's doing a big kip up there. Like, it's a big part of yeah. the, the initial part of the storytelling. And they fucking... The cameras pointed at Brett doing nothing on the fucking...
2: On the uh, outside. And you like... And you hear the audience react to it. And when it goes back to them, they're giving each other a look like, hey, that was a pretty cool thing that just happened. And I'm (laughs) like, I'm sure it was.
1: I would have loved to have seen it. I would have loved to see it.
0: (laughs) You all are like, you're seeing the moves that aren't being shown. And I'm like, I didn't notice it. I was just on a separate journey.
1: Sure. (laughs) All right. Well, those were the sights, sounds and feels of pro wrestling, uh, which means that For this episode, it's almost time to wrap things up. But first, we have to do a very special edition of Guess the Gimmick. I've been looking forward to this. Because Dan is a guest who doesn't know anything about wrestling, instead of helping me explain the the gimmick that the wrestler in question actually works under... Dan will get to join with Bob in talking about what they see in the Google image search of the wrestler they are about to Google image search. And uh, when I first received this suggestion from David Waters, who is a a patron and so gets his suggestions in uh, uh, faster than others, I was a little bit frustrated because I wasn't sure what to do with it. And then Mm -hmm. we had Dan on and I was like, oh, well, that's what I'm doing with it. We're giving this one to Dan.
2: Is it me? Am I secretly a pro wrestler and just have amnesia? Uh,
1: I would like both of you now, please, to Google image search Danhausen. Okay. Spelled D-A-N-H-A-U-S-E-N.
2: What? Uh, Okay. Um, Okay. So I think the gimmick is... In a parallel dimension, I ended up going into wrestling instead of acting school, <laughs> but maintained a lifelong love of Skeletor, and then crossed over into this dimension, and maybe I'm trying to replace myself? <coughs> uh, that's my guess as to what this character's gimmick is.
0: Okay. Mom? Man, we're seeing a svelte, lightly muscled... He doesn't look like a Dorito. He doesn't look like Adrian Neville, you know what I right. mean? Right. And um, he's got a full chest tattoo that is a werewolf's head with goat horns and bat ears coming out of it. looks very Satan-y.
1: Very satan Yeah, me. I think yeah. it's just supposed
2: to be like a bearded demon of some okay, sort. Okay,
0: that, that probably makes more sense. And a maniacal grin and white face paint with black around the eyes, black on the chin, and then like little kind of black lines on the cheeks and around the eyes a little bit like what if bat boy grew up and became a wrestler (laughs) but also bat boy tried a single hard drug and that was he did meth one time and was like I'm hardcore now. It's like he never did it again, but he had done meth the once and was like, "Well, I'm I'm a hardcore now, and now I do the wrestles, and can, I'm gonna get I, this big old chest." Can piece. I
2: share one one link that I I've, I've come across? So oh, this okay. is on- I thought you were gonna tell us about the
0: time you did meth. <laughs> oh no,
2: no 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 no! I'm on Google Images and I'm scrolling through, and you know, if you click on an image, you you get the name of like whatever page right. the mm-hmm. image came from. But this one is slightly cut off and it shows Dan Housen and Xavier Woods. And it says Xavier Woods reacts to Dan Housen threatening to Jack. I see that. And then it gets cut off. And I'm like, (laughs) what did Dan Housen threaten to do? What happened here? But I'm not going to click on it because I'd like that to uh, just uh, live on in infinite potentiality in my head.
1: I mean, I I do highly uh. recommend the interview that Danhausen does with Xavier Woods sometime. It is very good. Well, okay. So so those are some very some very good uh, reactions and guesses. Um, it is very difficult for me to explain Danhausen uh, because Danhausen okay. does not have a traditional gimmick. However, I will say uh, two things. A Danhausen is actually his name. His, na- okay. his name is Donovan Danhausen. And he's basically, like, a somewhat ineffective but lovable supervillain. (gasps) I am going to quickly, if you don't mind, send the two of you a little, like, three-minute YouTube video. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, I'm going to send it here in the chat, and you can watch it. I can't tell you about the character, you just have to experience it. This video, for those who want to join us in this endeavor, is called Go Up Close and Personal with Danhausen. Okay,
0: I'm watching it now. Okay.
1: Me too.
2: <laughs> oh, goodness.
0: <laughs> ah! No, don't pour teeth in people's mouths. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is not super far off from what I would do if I was going to write Skeletor, the pro wrestler. Like... It's a little bit too soft to be Skeletor, but it is not far away in terms of misunderstanding the core concepts. Yeah, it's like
1: Skeletor's slightly more charismatic younger brother.
2: He's
0: kind of like a Venture Brothers
1: villain. Yes, I I I thought of that that too. He is very much like he has has a lot of monarch in him.
2: Yeah, he's he's like one of the the like kind of more minor background members of the Guild of Calamitous intent. (laughs) (sighs)
1: Ugh. Yes. Ah, uh, that's outstanding. Uh, what a good character. He's a great character. He refers to himself as the third person. Uh, the word housing goes after pretty much everything. <laughs> um, and he-, he also
2: carries around spare teeth, which he pours into his opponent's mouth, <laughs> apparently. <sighs> which I don't care as much for, but you know. <laughs> Gotta respect
1: the Moxie. Look, he is very nice, very evil, and you should uh, you should check him out. Uh Danhausen has his own entire YouTube channel called Love That Danhausen. I just showed the two of you three minutes. I could have picked any number of clips from his YouTube channel. Uh he is just delightful every time there's a camera on him. So uh if you're ever interested in seeing more of him, that is where to go. There's a lot of his shit. That's just like free to watch. I don't really know if he's a good wrestler. And honestly, I don't give a shit.
0: Yeah, I get that man a blimp. That's what I
1: have (laughs) to say. Uh, All right. Well, that's it for another exciting edition of Guess the Gimmick. And that is it for another exciting edition of The Next Wrestling Fan. Dan, pleasure as always. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: The pleasure was entirely mine. This is
1: always a great show to listen to. And it's even better to guest star on. Uh, anything you want to plug the, I I assume you have some, some garden plots thoughts. Oh
2: boy, do I? Uh, yes, I am, uh, the editor and voice of Skeletor on garden plots with Skeletor written in part by none other than our very own Megan Bob. We are well into season two by this point. We have some extremely fun episodes coming up, some very unexpected guests that we managed to, uh, trick into coming on this season. (laughs) And, uh, I gotta say season two. When Megan, Bob, and Marissa approached me about doing this show with them, I was not expecting a lot of the things that are happening now to be happening. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? You just kind of got to dive in for the ride. The, the show takes some unexpected twists and turns, but it's all, I think, extremely well written by uh, by Bob and Marissa and also Hub. Aww.
0: And well acted by that Dan fellow. Ah,
2: well. I do what I can and hurt my voice in the process. Sometimes, I can but, only you know.
1: imagine what your voice is like <laughs> the day after a recording session of that show.
2: <laughs> lots of, uh, lots of breath support needed for that. maybe.
1: <laughs> if you're not already listening to garden plots with Skeletor, you should absolutely fucking change that. Uh, go over to your, uh, your podcatcher of choice and subscribe. It is uh, like our show every other week, um, on the first and the 15th of the month. And it is fucking delightful. And, uh, I, was privileged enough to be on an episode of it and it was awesome and uh i am just such a huge fan of what you guys have created based on the random idea that i remember bob asking me about long time ago and being like should i actually pitch this to dan or am i insane (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, thanks Thanks for whatever response you gave, Bob, because uh, they did pitch it to me, and now it's I great. told
1: them that they should absolutely pitch it to you, and it is amazing. So,
0: Aww. is that it?
1: Anything else you got going on?
0: No, that's it for me. I got one question. Per Miles' ongoing plots against you.
2: <laughs> I am familiar,
0: yes. <laughs> How much closer would you say you are to... Of your own volition consuming a wrestle that wasn't NXT. This is just as a, a benchmark so that Miles can plot further what he needs to do.
1: Especially now that I've introduced you to Danhausen.
0: I mean Danhausen, there there's a gravitational
2: pull to Danhausen, I'm not gonna lie. I will say I would be willing to try some non-NXT wrestling in a limited and
1: social
0: environment. Mm. Uh, preferably with you guys.
1: Yeah, well, we should do that next time you're here. Absolutely.
0: That is much closer than you were like two years ago. So I feel like i feel like progress is being made well done miles your evil plots are bearing fruit let me tell you
1: can i just say real quick it feels so good to like not be the only voice in the room saying let's watch wrestling at social (laughs) events now like it is so great to have megan bob over here going like no yeah come over no we're definitely watching wrestling no you don't have a (laughs) choice we're watching it but it's gonna be fun don't (laughs) worry
0: I will say that my tolerance for watching a ton of it is much lower than yours. But my insistence is very loud. <laughs> so I'm like, there is three things we have to watch. And those are the three things. Perfect. And like beyond that, I'm like, we can leave it on the background. But after three things, I'm I'm out. It's
1: because you came in t- during the era when they started doing two night WrestleManias. You don't know the pain. I'm sitting through eight hours of wrestling every year. (laughs)
0: Goodness. Oh, my God. Oh, no, 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 Uh, no, no, no.
1: Anyway. All right, man. Well, buddy, thank you so much once again for being here. And uh, and we'll see you over on the Garden Plots uh, side of things.
2: I can't wait. Thank you, guys.
1: Well, that's about all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. It was a beast, but we are here. Uh, Bob, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you so much to Dan Mulcairn for uh, being back on the show and providing us with his insights.
0: Oh, my God, we did it. We got to an actual takeover, a real takeover.
1: It happened. Thank you as well to all of our patrons who uh, make this show possible. And on that subject, Bob. Oh, yes. We have a new signee (gasps) here in the next Wrestling Fan Federation.
0: Man, it's a good time to be in indie wrestling, isn't it?
1: So yeah, I uh, want to welcome our newest entrant. This person on the independent scene went by the name of Jen Christian. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about a brief text exchange that Bob and I had with Dan Mulcairin, actually, and Kit this like, yesterday. We were talking about wrestling signs and wrestling chants. Yes. And I got to thinking, what if those were, like... Two sides in a conflict or something. Like, what if you had chanters who hated the people with the signs and signers who hated the people who chant? And (sighs) that's not that's a whole other thing that might be further developed down the road. But for now, what we're doing with Jen Christian here is we're going to give them a gimmick that I call Addison Hush.
0: (gasps) Ooh, I'm very intrigued.
1: And. There's two things to Addison Hush. The first thing is that they get very upset at the crowd anytime they make noise of any kind. Because they're a heel, oh, right? That's a so fun like, gimmick. And my thought about it is that this the, the actual wrestler involved, like, can do all these really impressive crowd pleasing moves, and sometimes does, like, when they need to win a match, but they try not to because they know it'll make the crowd make noise, and when they have to do it, they get upset. Oh. The other aspect of it is that Addison Hush has taken a vow of silence uh, until they win the Next Wrestling Fan Federation Championship. So, wow! No one knows what they sound like. And if they ever do win the championship and we find out, it'll be a big reveal. Nobody knows what they sound like. They deliver all their promos in sign form. You know, like one sign and then another sign to continue the sentence and such. And basically my thought was, if you were going to be a heel and you wanted to get the maximum possible heat for the crowd, just like, tell them to not say anything. <laughs> Tell them to not make noise. If your thing is you're not allowed to make noise, what do you think they're going to do? So it's going to be huge heel heat for Addison Hush here as they endeavor to uh, win the championship and uh, do so with their many, many signs and their uh, their dislike for uh, for crowd noise and chanting of any kind.
0: Okay, picture this Addison Hush in a promo battle. You know, how sometimes people go back and forth on the mic. Yeah. So somebody gets on the mic and is you know yakking, and then Addison Hush picks up the mic. The camera gets close up yeah. on Addison Hush's face, single eyebrow raise, and then drops the mic.
1: Drop the mic, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> done. There's gonna be all these teases, uh, like over the course of their career, all these teases about whether or not they actually talk, and they never do. Uh, like I said, unless they win the championship, which is. In no way, a, uh, a shameless way of me trying to convince Jen to up their pledge. That's not what this is about. Jen, no, no, I'm not... we're
0: not about that. For, yeah. for the love of God, don't worry about that.
1: Like, honestly, the longer this goes on without them being champion, the funnier it gets. So I really am not trying to do that. Anyway, thank you so much, Jen Christian, for your pledge. Hope you like the character. You. Uh, I had a great time coming up with them, so I hope you uh, enjoy it as much as I do. So, thank you again to Jen. Thank you so much to everybody who uh, who donates to us over on Patreon.com/slash NXT Wrestling Fan. A lot of great content over on that their website. You have the f- the cats fanfic for one thing. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Again, just as a reminder, currently currently up on the Patreon, my 9,000 word What If Cats Put Pro Wrestling fanfic uh, is available Miles is in there. the
0: throes of realizing what it is to be a fanfiction author and to be desperate for love and adoration in the way that only a fanfiction author <laughs> who has spent blood, sweat, and tears trying to articulate the maddest thing imaginable for an audience of no one. Finally, Miles (laughs) understands the pain that (laughs) I have gone through about my fucking Good Omens fanfic that only I truly care
1: about. I'm looking at it going like, why does nobody care about this? I mean, they shouldn't. It's very stupid.
0: (laughs) But that's the promise of fanfiction, baby.
1: That's the promise. That's right. So, uh... If you would like to validate me in my weird accomplishment. Uh, (laughs) And God knows you're already
0: listening to this fucking podcast, so clearly you
1: do. I don't know how much validation I need at this point. I really must just be hard up for it. Go check out the fanfic. It's up on on Patreon, uh, as well as all of our bonus content, all of our bonus episodes covering various things. We are very close to our next Patreon goal, so... I would
0: describe it as perilously close.
1: (laughs) Go check it out. Thank you all so much. Thank you all for listening and supporting us and just generally being part of our family, whether or not you choose to engage in the act of giving us money, which isn't real anyway, so who cares? Um, Yeah. Again, thanks to Dan for coming on. So awesome that we made it to TakeOver, and we'll see you in two weeks with a new episode of The Next Wrestling Fan.
0: Farewell!
1: The next wrestling fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman and Megan Bob with logo design by Claire Mulcairin. Special thanks to
0: Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo.
1: Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com.
0: We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to
1: us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness.
0: The NXT Wrestling Fan is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to help us out, go to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and join our fantastic stable of contributors. They're the best best
1: if you enjoy the show please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts and if you have any questions comments or suggestions feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com
0: thanks for listening and we'll see you in two weeks if you've never seen a picture of drew mcintyre dan drew mcintyre looks like the cover of a romance novel and he's beautiful
2: oh man look at this fella oh yeah put a billowy shirt part way around his arms and <laughs> maybe a horse in the background
0: that's right oh yeah he has a horse that is both distant and loving somehow Ah, oh, this guy's two months younger than i am i'm mad now <laughs> anyway Look, I don't I don't check their ages anymore. It makes me too sad. I shouldn't have done it.
2: But I, I looked into the <laughs> abyss.
0: He also has a giant sword, Dan, and that is Ooh. probably a euphemism, but also he has a real sword. Sure. <laughs>